You're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast. This podcast spotlights a new work written by composer Mark Anthony Turnage. The, the, the one problem is that I also have this thing where, you know, for instance, the concerto I wrote for Peter Erskine is called Erskine, and I wrote a piece for Hawken Hardenberg, the trumpet player called Hawken, and my publishers don't like it much because they say, well, how the hell can we get anybody else to play that? Because it's got the name of the soloist on the bloody piece. But I think that my assumption is, my assumption yeah. is that there's a, there's a sort of a, a playful belligerence in titling works that way. Well, would that, be, that, would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, I didn't call this Charlie, although I've actually, funny enough, I have written a piece for... For John, um, which is, is called Karnak. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, it's. Because you can't be, but by that stage, you can't be bothered to come up with a different day. Uh, no, I just think it's nice. I think it's nice. Turnage's concertino for clarinet was written for lifelong friend, clarinetist John Karnak, and was delivered shortly before the start of the first UK lockdown. You hear it here in rehearsal in Birmingham and it will be performed for the second time at Music at Malling in Kent in late September by the Birmingham Contemporary Music Group conducted by Thomas Kemp. Listen out in this interview for the warmth between Turnage and Karnak. Map that onto the sounds Turnage has written into the score and those Karnak draws from his clarinet. Composers write for musicians. That's what I've learned here. Just like Ben Goldschneider said in the previous podcast. Tell me about the work. That's obviously not the first time you've played it through because that is a well-fingered copy. Well, I've had a, an extended learning period on it for obvious reasons because Mark said he was going to write a piece for me about three years ago to tie in with his, well, a certain birthday with a naught on the end of it, which was last year. 40th. 40, if that's right, correct. Um, and so he, true to his word, this piece was written and he sent me the music in March 2020. Perfect timing. So it's well fingered because I've had, and well thumbed because uh, I've had 18 months to practice and sweat and practice it really. So but I don't get the impression that you needed it all 18 months in order to practice it or are you well, about to reveal that it's actually quite fiendish? It's not fiendish, no, because Mark Mark really understands the instrument. He knows he knows what the clarinet can do really well and he also um, he knows my playing and he knows all his soloists playing. Um, you know, when he said he was going to write it... Um, I know how busy he is, and I also know we're fantastic. We're just the best friends, you know, have been for thirty years. Um, so we know each other really, really well. I didn't need to mention it to Mark, um, you know, um, because I knew he would come up with the goods. So I thought about it every day: what I would like, what sort of piece, what sort of piece I would like. But I didn't discuss it with Mark because he's so busy, and I knew, trusted him he would get it to me when he said he would to tie him with his 40th birthday. So, <laughs> his first so this is his 40th birthday. 40th birthday. But, so, but when, the, um, when, it, when he sent it to me, which was 
absolutely bang on time. It was exactly what I was hoping for. I didn't, you know, the the piece I wanted was with, with kind of with a chamber ensemble, and not not a, a real clarinet showcase in many ways, but something a little bit more along uh, the Ebony Concerto, Stravinsky, and maybe Prelude Fugue and Risk by Bernstein. Um, it feels like a partnership. Uh, you know, hearing hearing it in rehearsal, it feels like it's uh, yeah, soloist and chamber ensemble, but it feels like a partnership, not a showpiece. Exactly right, yes, because Mark is such a phenomenal orchestrator. So, I, as I said, I really wanted a piece with a full on, with with a small ensemble, but with with wind and brass, percussion, um, harp, celeste. Um, these are all the instruments that Mark gets this wonderful sound world he creates, and that's very apparent in this work. So, it's not just clarinet with orchestral accompaniments. There's, there's a, it's just a wonderful sort of sound that he creates. And that's I think the thing that strikes me the, the most immediately is the, is the lyricism in the slow sections. Yes. His, his lyrical writing yes. is, is quite, quite remarkable. Exactly, yes. He, and he, is, he writes beautiful melodies, but they've kind of always got a little twist to them, which is just wonderful. The second movement, which is a romanza, which is dedicated to myself and my long-term suffering partner, Annette Wardell. Um, and particularly the final movement, which uh, is um, a sad soliloquy, which is uh, dedicated to my late parents, um, who Mark knew. Um, and that's particularly uh, lyrical and particularly... Um, um, what's the word sort of um, emotional you know to, to, so yes absolutely uh, so this was the this was the first time that you rehearsed together no Tom you can't play any of this kind of music without rehearsing it properly um, I've always felt like Stefan that music is one vast topic but you have to bring the same level of precision to this music as you would to Mozart or Schubert um, and actually it's so brilliantly orchestrated um, and so precise if something's not quite right it, it's very obvious because the music is so well constructed um, and I think Mark's able to there's something very soulful about his music um, which is I think just very instinctive um, and for whatever it forces his writing for, um, he's able to bring that into play. And, it, and every piece that I've ever performed or conducted of, of Marx, it, it's always been different. He, he never, there's never a, such a thing as a generic piece, but you can always tell it's written by him. And so much music that's written today, um, it's a celebration of creativity. Um, I think audiences. Um, 
I would actually defy audiences not to enjoy the programme that we're performing tonight because it's just full of invention. Um, you know, there's so much energy in some pieces, aggression, pathos, tranquility. It's all there. It's in all great music. Um, and I really think it's important for as performers that that we really support new compositions and actually try and champion them because, you know, it's as great as any of the best music ever written. first met do you recall when you first met oh, yeah. definitely yeah. yes okay so we really need to hear the story now then because you well it was, it was a Birmingham connection we um it was was it on the tour did you do the first of, of yeah. what, sorry, oh, sorry that's not really used to you is it so <laughs> need a bit well, of content the, um, it was cbso john was playing bass clarinet because in three screen popes. popes which is a piece that we do with simon rattle as well it was actually the first thing i wrote for uh, cbso and Simon toured it quite a lot, and I think one of the tours, well, it would have been the first tour, yeah, was a Finland, Germany, a Germany, but in Finland. Yeah. I think we went to other places, but, um, but we, I think I met you probably in Helsinki, because some people in the orchestra, some of the people I knew, because I've already been working with them for maybe a year, said, oh, there's a bass clarinet, uh, clarinet player called John Carlick, who's a big Arsenal fan, and so that's, and you may have even been wearing an Arsenal shirt. This was a long time ago and I was wearing an Arsenal yeah. shirt and I, 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 I'm appalled at myself because no way would I turn up to I wouldn't even wear an, an Arsenal or any football shirt yeah, to a football yeah. match now let alone a, yeah. a, a rehearsal with Simon Rattle with TV cameras there but I was wearing it because I'd been to the game in the afternoon and we had an evening rehearsal and screaming popes came up We'd had an early kickoff. I, I, I came up, uh, I got, went home, drove, drove up in the car, still had my Arsenal top on. I suppose I could have taken it off, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. There's no excuse. But this is typical of Mark. You see, Mark, there was a lot of media coverage there, um, and Mark just came up to me. He went, you know, there's, there was, um, obviously, there was very important, far more important players there, principal players. I was sitting down the line playing the bass clarinet. And, uh, but Mark saw the Arsenal shirt, came up to me and said, Wow, I'm a big Arsenal fan as well. Um, let's have a beer when we go on tour. Is there some kind of shame about Arsenal? I mean, I don't know about anything uh, about football, no, really. Well, yeah, well, no, not a shame, but I think that um, well, there is a bit of a shame at the moment because they're not doing very well. But no, I don't think so. I think it's just it's just that they were different. No, because it was Birmingham, and they were like, I remember okay, like one of the players was a Leeds fan. We had, we had quite a lot of sort yeah, of. It was a lot of yeah, quirky. There was a lot of. Um, uh, sort of banter going around, and so 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 that so that was really the connection. I heard John play for various things and I always thought that 
Yeah, I really want to write. I mean, I've written smaller pieces for John. This is the first time a bigger pieces uh, you know, come out of our, you know, our friendship. But I just thought I want to write something. I, I heard John play my clarinet quintet, uh, um, Invention, on Invention on Solitude. Um, which I've written years ago, and you played it with a tippet quartet, and I, I, you know, that was. I mean, I'd heard John play other, other of my pieces, but I thought, yeah, I want to do something more than just clarinet and piano. I want to do something for larger forces. So, so it's very rare these days because you mostly, you know, you're asked to write pieces by organisations, and and um, you know, and sometimes it's not easy to do pieces just for like mates. And and I thought no, and, and this is just before actually think about it, it's just before lockdown when I wrote it, isn't it? He said that you sent it. He said that you sent it on time as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I always do that. But that, that thing is, um, but, but it is interesting because it was, and then that's why it's sort of got delayed and stuff. And and it's it ended up in with the BCMG, which is great. I mean, I, I you know because I've worked with them a lot. Um, but it is interesting that that that, that I did that and um, just before in January last year. Yeah, because I was looking, I was looking at the dates and everything and the sketches to see when I actually composed it. But it, it's sort of nicer to write. I mean, I, I always like personal connections. I mean, I've done a few things for different jazz players where, where I mean, I wrote this percussion uh, a drum concerto for Pete Erskine, this jazz drummer. And it, that piece also has movements for one for his kids, one for his wife. I quite like doing these things because it sort of feels, it feels much more personal than just writing a concerto for somebody and just, is it libera- is it a more liberating process because you're right because there's something personal in it uh, well not so much liberating but just 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 there seems to be a purpose for it and it seems like very personal to them the the, the one problem is that i also have this thing where you know for instance the concerto i wrote for peter erskine is called erskine and i wrote a piece for hawken hardenberg with a trumpet player called hawken and my publishers don't like it much because they say well how the hell can we get anybody else to play that because it's got the name of the soloist on the bloody piece but i think that my assumption is my assumption is there's a, there's a sort of a, a playful belligerence in titling works that way. Well, would that be that would that be fair? Yeah, I mean, I didn't call this Karnak, although I've actually funny enough, I have written a piece for for John, um, which is it is called Karnak. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's because you can't be by that stage, you can't be bothered to come up with a different day. Uh, no, I just think it's nice. I think it's not. I, I I do. I think you know when you work with orchestras where you where you know the players. You know, this has happened. If the fact this happened first of all with the CVSO that I knew. Some of the players that you know, I knew who the, the, the you know, Jonathan Holland actually, the trumpet. I knew that, that he was going to be playing, you know, in the seat. I, I know some. Of the, it becomes much more than just an instrument. It becomes. I got to a stage when I because I had a four-year residency with the CBSO where I was actually writing. You know, when I sketched it, I was writing the name of the player. Um, usually, they got to do it, which is really nice. But uh, you know, it, it feels. It just feels personal. I just, I, you know, I, I love players and I. And, I wasn't good enough to, I played the flute when I was a kid and I actually wanted to play the clarinet that's another story and I lined up at school and was at the end of the line and ended up with the flute which is sort of not great really well Sorry. unless of course you're a flautist <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a very good flautist but I really wanted secretly wanted to play the clarinet but I never did so that's the other thing where I've written a lot of clarinet music but so I've always but I just feel that, 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 that I write for a, a lot for clarinet anyway orchestrally and bass clarinet in particular I mean it's great to have Mark O'Brien playing um, you know, in this piece, because I've worked with him a lot, so it, it's, it feels like a, I, I feel very comfortable. I love the range. I love the fact you can dip out. You know, you know, um, you can flute so much, but it doesn't sound so good. Um, you know, it just feels like a great instrument. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to land myself in it with flute players. Uh, what do you especially like about this work, please? Um, it's such. It's really quirky piece. I, I, I love the fact that Mark Mark loves jazz, and he. Um, listens to a lot of jazz 
and a lot of the melodies just they just they're beautiful melodies and suddenly it'll just go off and do something like it might just be five or six notes it'll just go off a little tangent as if it's been improvised by a sort of tenor saxophone player or something like that in a quintet and it's so fresh I mean it, a lot of this does particularly in the third movement here where there's bits where you think it's almost improvised and I, I wish I could improvise I can't improvise at all uh, it's all written down so it just sounds so fresh um, at, like a jazz player would, would approach a piece of music so I think that's one particular element that I really really enjoy and, and uh, I mean it's just a it's just damn good clarinet writing a damn good piece really so uh, one final question for you yeah. sir which is um, where does the <clears throat> the I was saying to, to John and to Thomas earlier that it's the lyricism in your writing that, that strikes me yeah. most immediately yeah. where does your lyricism come from well it's a bit Funny enough, um, and it's funny that the last movement is dedicated or in memory of John's parents, who I knew. Um, I think there's there's something about loss, which is also part of sort of an English sensibility. I don't know why. It's, I'm not saying loss is in any 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 other country, but there's something in you know that it, it, it stretches back. You know, funny enough to Elgar, to Vaughan Williams, that sort of melancholic thing. Or actually, you can take take it back to Purcell. Um, and, and it's a very strong tradition in a way, and I think I've tapped into that to some extent. You know, I, 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 you, you find yourself, especially now, increasingly as you get older, writing memorials. I mean, I've always written quite a lot of them, but you know, over the years, um, you know, for people dying younger. But I mean, now you're getting older. You know, it's it's a, a it's one of those things, and I think that that it's quite powerful that that um, feeling that you have for people, and and I think that that certainly especially that last movement it's I think it's you tap into something because it's a way and I wrote this long quite a few years after John's parents died but I also think that, that it's it's something for John as well and I think I just think, I feel it's it's um, yeah it's hard to talk about really but it, it, it it's certainly the grief thing for you know for uh, Louis Andreessen died recently and I wrote a little piece in memory of him and I was really um, great I know him a little bit but also he was a, he was a great composer and I think that I was very, you know, it was it's to, to get over the grief really. It's to do something constructive, something that gets you through that. But also, it feels like a gift, and also the fact that you know John's parents were were lovely people, and and I just think you know I know that affected John a lot when when you know when they both died, and I think it's really it feels like it's it's got a purpose. It's a good you know that I, I want to celebrate them actually rather than just thinking about. It. That's the other thing. It's a positive thing as well. The memories of people, um, and, that, and, that, and that 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 you know, the, the, in a, actually recently the most powerful person for me who died was Oliver Nusson, who was like one of my closest friends, and, and that was really hard for me. Um, and I wrote a piece in memory called uh, "Last Song for Ollie," which which Simon Rattle did actually with um, with, the, with the LSO, uh, you know, and that that is a huge thing. I miss I miss him every day, and you know, but I, I feel that he's there somewhere. So, so does, that make, does that make the process? cathartic or you know when I, I'm going through a grieving process at the moment the details of which are not relevant yeah. for the conversation yeah, yeah. but when I hear that yeah. from you that makes me go that would make me want to approach the work or those moments in the work with a, an enormous amount of caution or trepidation well, because because of what it might trigger well yes but yeah but the thing is I think that it's it's like um I think it, it, no, because you're professional. I mean, I remember, like, I, I, you know, my, my brother died when I was when I was when he was young, and, and when I was 
in my middle 30s and I remember playing I played a piece at his funeral um, and actually I played it no perfect because I was so you know you just you, you just lock into a different thing you know it's just it's just you're getting the job done so so, so I mean you no know, it's a professionalism kicks in but you know and you can't be indulgent about it you just you just it just feels you know it's a little piece and I feel that it's it's it you know yeah it's, I mean, it's particularly the last movement, which is dedicated to my mum and dad, who I also think of every day, you know. And, and because of that, it's, it's the best... Because my parents both loved classical music. They knew Mark, met Mark a few times, and, and they... they um, well, they, it was like they were meeting a god when they you know, met, met Mark, you know. And, and this is kind of the best present you could possibly have, you know. And to be quite honest, it, it's the opposite to me, being cautious it makes me want to pour more into it you know and 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 you have to stay professional in the other way of trying to not let it lose control um so it completely fuels me and energizes me particularly that last movement and i'll probably splash it against the ceiling tonight now that's it there we go what a delightful expression You've been listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast presented by John Jacob. Follow Thoroughly Good on Twitter at Thoroughly Good, Thoroughly underscore good on Instagram, and Thoroughly Good Me on Facebook. The Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast is available on any half-decent podcast platform like Google Amazon and Spotify, plus some others you might not have heard of.